This is the book of John from chapter 15. Can't see for some reason. Um, 18. I thought you said 15. (laughs) Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples, this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priests, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. Good morning, everyone. Hope you can hear me. And uh, uh, so we are continuing John chapter 18, 15 till 27. Okay, so uh, somebody sent me a message this morning. Um, uh, I'll be praying for you. And uh, so, and at the same time, he put a thorn in, a, you know, so in between saying, I'm really sorry Liverpool lost last night. And I'll be praying for it too, you know, so kind of so my apologies, you know, so I don't want to mention who is that. Um, so you will get the clue. He's from my country. I thought he's my friend. But this morning he hurt my break, you know, hurt my break. Okay. I think I was in the wedding, uh, chair on Katie's wedding, you know, so halftime, uh, you know, just went home and we w- watched that one. So if you watch, uh, if you don't like football, you know, say, uh, forget about that one. Or, um, or if, you, if, you, if you are familiar with the game and there is a tension in the air. So if somebody m- missed a pass or missed a post, how do you respond? Oh, it's all right. We're under grace. Or is it, oh, no! You know, so that's our response, you know. I can't believe that. I need your help to get some extreme verses like that. So can you help me to find some extreme verses to express when you see something they are not supposed to happen? So I will start with, oh, my word. 
Give me some other words, please. Shocking. Unbelievable. What on earth is going on? I can't believe that. Oh, come on. I think I'm better than you guys. English is my second language. Yeah. So this is the scene in John chapter 18 happening. There is a disciple walked with Jesus, seen miracles, wonders, and Jesus spoke highly of him, and he was very close, very much close to Jesus, more than many other disciples. And here we can see one of the shocking, worst, unbelievable, unthinkable, unacceptable, unimaginable, shocking thing happening. He denied Jesus. In some other words, I say, he cursed and said, I don't know him at all. If you are watching that, you might say, I can't believe that. If I were, we, if I were you, Peter, I would have been giving my life to Jesus at that time. I'm ready to die. But that was the stage of uh, um, uh, Peter at that time. You know, so even he said that, I will die for you. So this is a very challenging context. We are sitting back and relaxed at the Jubilee Center, enjoying this preach after a wonderful worship time. This was not the scene for Peter. I want to take you inside. I was looking at uh, the scene in Passion of Christ uh, in terms of that was very intense. So Jesus was arrested. He was in chain. He was before the Romans and the centurions and the court and he was uh, beaten, spat and uh, you know, so, so he, he was not in good shape. Before that he raised the dead, fed the 5,000, walked on the water, cast out demons and everyone thought he's going to be the king, he's the king of the Jews. There was great expectation happening. But now this man the miracle worker, the one who raised people from the dead, is in chain and completely broken and crippled. Their hope is gone. For Peter and John, all the other disciples, they're completely in a big mess because their leader is gone. I don't know how can I explain that one. We cannot be in that position at all. What they are facing is one of the unimaginable, unthinkable crises. But if you look at Peter, how do you say about him? He's not trustworthy. Or do you say he loved Jesus? Or you think you cannot bring him to our team, you know, we, he's unpredictable. He is, uh, he, he took lots of things out of, uh, oh, what is that? That's not me. Oh, it's you. I didn't do anything. You saw that. Camera is my witness. Well, how do you say him? Some of them say, this guy loved Jesus or we can't trust this guy. 
What do you, what do you think? I think he loved Jesus very, 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 very much. You can see him. But he panicked and completely took his eyes away from Jesus. And he completely missed the prophetic promises God has spoken over many, many times through the prophets, including through Jesus. He completely forgot that one. And he is in a position and he failed to convince others about his faith and he stuck in that shame and remorse. That is the Peter I see in the scripture. How do we know that he loved Jesus? If we look at Luke chapter uh, uh, 5 verse 11, we can see that one. He left everything. He left everything to follow Jesus. When Jesus was, uh, you know, just on that shore, and I'll just read that one quickly. One day, Jesus, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to his word. He saw the water uh, at, the, at the, edge, the edge of the water, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their net. He got into one of the boats, the one belong, belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the water, and he let down the water for a catch. Simon answered, Master, I have worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the net. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break, so they, 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 they signaled their partners in the boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so full that they began to sing. Then what was the response of Peter here? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee, Jesus knee and, and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all the companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So they were, they were James and John and the son of Zebedee, son of uh, some, some Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boat up the shore and left everything and followed him. Can you repeat after me? Left everything and followed him. That is Peter. He didn't have half and half. He didn't get much time to listen to Jesus' miracles and wonders, raising the dead, turning water into wine. He never ever seen anything before. Now he just followed Jesus on his word without seeing any miraculous before that, but just one miracle and he decided to trust him. Not only because he trusted him, he, he confessed, he recognized that I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy to follow you, but Jesus welcomed him. He received that invitation. Now he followed Jesus. Jesus, yeah, Peter loved Jesus. Now let's come to, let's forget about what happened in between. Let's come to John chapter 18 onwards. We can see that one. 
Many disciples said, we never leave you, never forsake you, and we will be with you. They had said many, many times. But how many followed Jesus when things went really wrong? Some parts of the scripture say they all left him. But in this scripture, we can see that two people followed him. Especially, I think the other person could be John. There are lots of arguments uh, going on. Some people say it could be Nicodemus, Joseph or Arimathias, or it could be someone else. But we, we can, so when, when we look in, so I was uh, just looking some different uh, commentaries. I came to the conclusion it could be John. How come John is there? Because John is known, known to the high priest uh, through his uh, mother Salome. You know, Salome was related to Mary. Mary was related to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was related to Zachariah. He was the priest. And there is a connection between John and the high priest. If you know someone in a high priest family, the access is easy. Even like that, if you know George, Boris Johnson, it's easy to get into number 10. Full stop. You know, it through connection. It could be one of the ways that John was already there. He got some sort of access. So, but when everyone left, but Peter was following him from a distance, but he really loved Jesus, but he panicked at the time of crisis. He was passionate about Jesus. We know that Peter for his passion many times. He's like a school child. I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer. In John Matthew chapter 16, people were talking about Jesus. And some of them thought this is John the Baptist. Some of them thought this is the prophet. So and so Jesus asked the question to the disciple, who do we say I am? And what was the response? There is only one person responded. That was Peter. He said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Nobody opened this one to you. This is the revelation from the Heavenly Father. And you are Simon, you know, so you will become, you know, so I'm just paraphrasing that one. I will build my church on this rock, you know. So through this revelation, the knowledge and understanding, Jesus is the Son of God, is the foundation of the church. I'm going to build my church on that foundation. This is the revelation. He was so passionate about Jesus. Think about walking on the water. Everyone was scared and everyone said, this is the ghost, this is the ghost. Jesus said, no, it's me, this is me, this is Jesus. What did he say? If that's you, ask me to come over the water. Did he walk? Yes, he walked. He was passionate. He was, he took risks to follow Jesus. You know, we can see that one. But what happened when he, he took eyes, he took his eyes away from Jesus he started singing and, you know, he, he started going down and Jesus rescue, rescued him and rebuked him. Oh, have, uh, you know, you have little faith. Why did you be afraid, you know? But Jesus rescued him. So we can see that he was passionate. At the same time, he was super self-confident and a little bit self-reliant or sometimes fully self-reliant. In Matthew chapter 14, if you look at that one, we can read some of the passages there. You know, so Jesus mentioned to, about uh, uh, what is going to happen. So in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, you will all fall away. This is Jesus told them. For it is written. Can you repeat that after me? For it is written. 
It's not just a, it's not a random word. Jesus was talking about what is going to happen by the prophetic promises, prophecies being spoken about him through Ezekiel to, to the Psalm, to, to Isaiah. He was saying that this is what's going to happen. This is not an accident. I know where I'm heading. So that's what, that was the reason. He was very clear how things are going to happen. So Peter was there. Everyone was listen, so listening. So now Jesus was explaining, you will all fall away. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That is going to happen. But I, after I have risen... I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, wait, 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 wait. Excuse me, Jesus. That is dumb, 11. Or maybe 10. Please don't count me in that category. I am Peter. Okay? But after the Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I will not. Jesus said, thank you very much. Now, Jesus said, truly, I tell you. Jesus answered, today. Yes, tonight. Before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. This is the communication from Jesus about what is going to happen. But Peter insisted em, 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 oh what is how do we say that word emphatically am i correct yes i made it even if i have to die with you i will never disown you and all the others said the same mm, it's not only peter we are also following the same footsteps but we know that in John chapter 18, majority left him. Everyone left him. Somebody walked in a distance way. Luke chapter 22. We can see another scene how Peter was responding to this crisis moment. That's Luke chapter 22 verse 31 onwards let's look at that one that will give you an idea what was happening so in Luke chapter 24 onwards i will just to summarize that one there was a big dispute this is after the lord's supper the last supper and the, the, jesus said you know so they, I, I will be betrayed he was talking about this is going to happen and even he mentioned you know so so what is going to happen in verse 28 you are those who have stood by me in my trials i confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred on me so that you may eat and drink at the table in my kingdom and sit on thrones ju uh, judging the 12 tribes this is going to happen then he said to P peter verse 31 simon simon that means shaky shaky you are not rocky you are shaky 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 Satan is going to shake you. He's going to, he's going to take every bit of your self-confidence and your self-reliance on you will be exposed. And you're going to face the hardest 
challenge in your life at the, just before my trial, at the time of my trial. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me to, has to sift all of you as wheat. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This is Peter. He's receiving a warning and advance warning from Jesus. This is going to happen. Simon, Simon, shaky, shaky. Satan has asked you to sift you, all of you, as a wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Jesus didn't pray. There is no persecution. There is no suffering. There is no trial. Lord, put them in a bubble with air conditioning. I will go through all this kind. Let them enjoy the nicest time in a couch. Jesus didn't pray that. Jesus prayed in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the question, in the midst of the persecution, when you really, really hit by questions, ethics, lots of questioning when it's coming. Here, here is a high priest for us, praying for us. Your faith may not fail. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. This is self-confidence. Rather than saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for praying for me. You are so prophetic. I'm so glad I'm with you. This will help me to prepare what is going to come. How did he respond? Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know you, uh, that you know me. Then Jesus asked him, when I sent you with the person, the bags and sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, you know. So I'm not going to go there, you know. So you can see that. Jesus explained and reminded him what was the response for him, self-confidence and self-reliance. Let's go to Matthew 16. Very very interesting passage. We can see that one. We already mentioned that, you know, so they were all together, you know, so um, uh, in, in chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, son of Jonah. This is not uh, revealed to you by flesh and blood by my father. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome. I will give you the keys. Okay, I'm not going to read all of this one. And when verse 21 from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. He'd been talking and reminding. So here, Peter took him aside. Jesus, wait a minute, one second. Jesus might have said, excuse me, I'm still talking. No, one minute. Come. Okay. So, because he's still having the badge, he got the biggest revelation, you know. 
because son of, you know, so the Father revealed you, I am the, uh, I am Jesus, you know, so son of the living God. She said, I got the revelation. I, need, I have the authority to correct you now, you know. I got it. Come along. Have something to talk to you. And began to rebuke him. <laughs> Never, Lord. Don't spoil the moment. He said, this shall never happen to you. Then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. And you are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concern. Can you see that? Can you see that? You can have an amazing revelation about God. You can read the scripture and you can have the penny dropping moment. But that will not give you any guarantee in the next minute to lead a life, understanding God's plan. Even that moment, you need the grace of God to move forward. Self-reliance. Theological understanding, reading book and head knowledge will never ever save us. What will save us? The precious prayer and the blood of the Lamb. That is the only thing protect us from evil and suffering. You can have an amazing revelation about Jesus in the next moment. If you're relying on the revelation, if you are relying on that knowledge and the revelation is not transforming you, nothing happened. That is the good example here. Jesus said to him very clearly, get behind me, Satan. Why? You do not have the mind concerns of God, but merely human concerns. We talked about interruptions. We, this morning we heard about interruptions. We, we, talked, uh, we heard about through Paul about the sheep jumping from the fence. Sometimes we can be super clever than God and the scripture. And we think, okay, that is church. That is the word of God. But I can manage this. I'm in control of this situation. Okay, when I really need, I will ask God. Until that time, I will juggle things around. But that is dangerous territory to live. Unless we understand, we need God every moment. We need God's wisdom any moment. Even for cooking, to parenting, to marriage, to schooling, to study, to read, to prayer, to understand, to live a sinful, holy life. We cannot live without the grace of God. That's why you can have a nice PhD in theology. I can still completely miss God's plan. This is the cultural understanding, you know. We are in a postmodern, self-reliant, selfish, self, uh, self, uh, you know, self-centered, my phone to, iPhone to, my part to, iPad to, everything to, my space to. I can, I can juggle around. I'm going to use God there to make sure that 
my life is moving comfortable. But when you really, really face a challenge, when you really face the unimaginable situation, it could be sickness, it could be someone you really, someone really loved, rejected you, broken relationship, sickness, sadness, or oh, you lost the job and suddenly you thought people cheated over you and uh, some things are not going well. When you hit the hard ground, only one thing sustain you. That is the word of God and the promise of God. Here's Peter carrying the biggest revelation and he completely missed God's sovereign plan for Jesus' life and why he came down and Jesus reminded him what is going on the moment you're trying to sort the things based on the flesh and the human imagination, things are not going to go well. The moment you see the things in a bigger picture through the word of God, you will understand everything makes sense. Suffering to persecution to everything, you can face that through the power and the presence of God. As somebody sung like this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know my future. That is because what Jesus has done for us. The fence is to protect us. The interruption, interruption not to destroy the joy, actually to bring the real joy in our life. God is not a joy killer. He is the real joy giver. He gives you righteousness, peace, and security. As you're hearing, that is me. This is not Peter's story. This is my story. This is my story. I have a greater understanding about God, but sometimes I, I completely miss God's plan and make judgment on the basis of my human understanding. Then I drop it, I will crush it, then I feel so embarrassed and ashamed and high like a hedgehog. But Jesus is here to lift your eyes, to bring you back to his presence knowing that I have a plan for you. Even if you walk away, even if you jump out from the fence, I'm here. I'm the good shepherd to bring you back to the right path. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I am the good shepherd. And this shepherd will lay his life for you. And he already did that one. Peter's idea was, you don't need to lay your dice. Uh, uh, light, uh, you know, life for us is under control. Jesus knew it. Even in your ignorance, he loves you and he wants you to bring you back uh, to his kingdom. And he ignored his warnings many times. We already mentioned that one. But Jesus prayed for him. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 45, let's uh, look at that passage, you know. So Luke chapter uh, uh, th 22, verse 39 to 45. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. What did he say? Pray. Don't have self-confidence. Don't rely on your understanding. Pray. Pray. You think, pray? That's a waste of time. Let's rather read a good book. 
That will give me more knowledge. But Jesus said, pray, son of man. He came down, lived among us. He was not reading 24-7 theological books. He read, he memorized the scripture. At the same time, he demonstrated his weakness. He demonstrated he need God more than anyone else through prayer. That's the one area we all struggle. We have time for cooking too, watching too, Netflix too, Facebook too, uh, phoning too, running too, cycling too, all of it. I'm not going to bring any guilt or shame on you. But have you seen the challenge you face when you really want to pray five minutes? Have you ever felt, oh, okay, I need to do this one. We cannot even focus two minutes. Because the bills will pop up. The ping will ping there. And the pressure cooker will zzz. And the milk is there. And the cereal is there. And the toast, boom. And the butter. And the children screaming. Shower time. Running time. Clock. My calories. You can be stripped into seven, 25 different directions what do we compromise? Prayer. Why? You know why? Because the enemy knows. When you're plucked in the God's kingdom, that is the time you get charged. That is the time you will get the strength. That is the time the, the scripture will be revealed. That is the time God will strengthen your marriage. That is the time you will understand the identity, the purpose of your life. That is the time you will understand why you go to work, why you are a mother, why you are a father, why you are a single. Everything will be revealed because you see everything through the lens of the gospel. The moment you unplug that one, you run like a fan without electricity. You might be able to survive some time. It won't last. That's what Jesus said. Pray, 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 pray. The Son of Man will go. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what's going to happen. You know, he's going to reveal that. He said, you know, so he said, he, 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 and then what did he do? What did Jesus demonstrate? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone, stone throw beyond them, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours. An angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat and, and, and the sweat. Uh, was like drop of blood falling into the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to, to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted, and all from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? Jesus, can't you see that we are tired? Jesus, can't you see that lots are built to pay? pay? Jesus, can't you see that energy price is going high? Jesus, can't you see that my children are becoming teenagers? Jesus, can't you see that I have a newborn baby? Jesus, can't you see that marriage is in crisis? Jesus! Lots of things going on. 
And you are asking us to pray. It won't work. But Jesus said, come to the Father. Come to the Father. I will give you rest. I will give you strength. The world will say, no, no, no. Get connected. Get connected there. But we have proved again and again and again, self-reliance will cripple you. Give you self-confidence, but we will crumble like ashes. But God built foundation will survive the wind and the waves. So this is my challenge, my dear friends. Pray. Encourage your children to pray. Husband, wife, pray. Single, pray. Pray. It's not a religious ritual. It is the expression of our heart. God, we cannot live without you. When we are connected with you, that's the only time we will understand why am I here. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful about all things and desperately sick. And who can understand that? When we see three, look through the lens of the gospel, that's the only time we can see that. He was blind-spotted about the word of God and the prophecies. Jesus' warning, he was blind-spotted. Many times Jesus said, watch out and pray. He was blind-spotted and he was self-condemned. What happened? Panic. Walking on the water, the, the moment he took his eyes away from God, panic. When Jesus shared about his uh, death, he panicked. I have a plan B. And when there was a crisis, what did he do? What he took out? Sword. <laughs> the passion for God became a hurting weapon in that place. Oh, that's something God rescued me. So I remember that when I was uh, somewhere in praying, you know, so, so sometimes the passion for God can be a dangerous thing and that can hurt many people. Oh, you might be thinking, what does that blessing mean? The love of God and the passion for God is two different things. Okay? So out of passion, I can preach the gospel, at the same time, I can look at the others and thinking, why can't they share the gospel? Why can't they pray? No one took the sword. I took the sword. What happens? You're trying to do something for the kingdom of God that's going to hurt someone. Why can't they like that? Why don't they like nations? Why can't they open their home for God's kingdom? Why can't they spend a little bit of money? Why do they have a big card? Why can't they pray like me? You know, so the, the passion, looking at 10, you didn't take the sword. I took the sword. I'm the one defended Jesus. Jesus said, put that down. The passion for God 
can hurt people and that bring self-justification and you can be judging others and damaging lives around you. But God wants to restore us from the wrong passion to the right passion, a passion driven by the love of God. That's one of the places God rescued me in my life. I was sometimes very judgmental about others. Why not? What happened that brought bitterness and unforgiveness and uncomfortable things in my life. Then I noticed that this is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the midst of all chaos. And he took the sword. And we can see that one here in, in chapter. He was in trial. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned him. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus replied, I taught in synagogues and at the temple. This is verse 19. All the Jews came together and said nothing in secret. Why questioning me? Ask those who heard me. Surely that, that they, they know what I said. Then Jesus said to this one of the officials nearby. You know, when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped his face. Is this the way? You answer the high priest. Here is the high priest slapped by the high priest or one of the high priests. <laughs> he is the one blameless. He is the one sinless. He is the one interceding for us in a court, kept quiet, and said the right thing was slapped in order to rescue us. Peter, you denied. In the middle, there is a high priest un facing the trial, one of the worst trial in the history. There was no justice. And he denied again. And he wept. What is the hope for you? You have a high priest. That is who is interceding for you, day and night. I was so touched by that scripture in John in Hebrew chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is what you need, Peter. There is a high priest. He is the perfect one. Suffering, dying, persecuted, beaten, spitten, accused. Why? So that... You can come to him with confidence one day because he's going to overcome sin and death. He is sinless. He is blameless. But he kept quiet many times to rescue us. But Peter, you lied. 
you denied, you cheated, you, you failed in 100%. Here is a man, son of man, perfect, never sinned, but faced the unjust, un, undenied, denied justice and died for you so that you can come to him at any time. Let me finish. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Are you in need now? Are you trying to juggle things together but thinking things are leaking, dropping, things are out of control? It could be anything. But this morning we have a high priest. He is full of truth and he proved he can sympathize in our weakness. Can we say that together? Who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness? Who is able to sympathize with our weakness? Not to judge you. Not to, 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 to say, you did that. No. To restore us. To bring us back. That's why he prayed for them. <laughs> shaky, shaky. You're going to be shaken by the Satan. But I prayed for you. We have a high priest. As I'm talking now, we have Jesus. We can come to confidence. This morning, this is my prayer. You might be thinking, oh God, this is me. This is not Peter's story. This is my story. But this morning, I want to come back to you, God. I want to come back to you, God. Because I have a Savior who understands me. I have a Savior who can sympathize with me. I, I have a Savior who has overcome sin and death. I have a Savior. He understands my secret sins. I don't need to run away and away. I can come back to him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He crushed for our iniquities, you know. And he kept quiet like a lamb. He didn't say a single thing. So that we will have the privilege to talk about his goodness. And we can walk free. Let's pray. I feel like God is talking to all of us. And specifically some of you. You might feel, I'm not worthy. I can't come back. I already jumped the fence. I'm already going in the wrong direction. I messed up. I, I, I don't have a prayer life. Sunday is my religious action. You know, just I somehow survive. Put God in a corner. But this morning, God is near here not to shame you, to drag you through the mud. He is bringing you back to his family, to knowing that he is a good shepherd. He wants to bring you home. He wants to welcome you back. His prayer, relationship, secret sin, or money, management, whatever it is, you know, you might have uh, dropped everything. But Jesus is welcoming you back. I'll ask the band to come. And let's have a moment. Let's pause a moment. There are lots of things might be going through your mind now. Especially plans after the service. Let's pause. What, what, is, what, is, the, what is the main message? What, what's, what is he trying to get my attention? Why God is interrupting me this morning? There's only one word. 
to bring you life, life in abundance. To bring you, give you life, life in fullness. To give you righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. To give you water, rivers of living water. To give you security and safety, knowing that God's plan for you is perfect because He is perfect. His kingdom is everlasting. So you cannot serve two kingdoms. You cannot serve God and money. You have a choice this morning. God, I choose God. But this is my prayer. Help me, God. To come to your presence with confidence knowing that you are a loving father. You are a high priest. I can come to you in all time knowing that you are my heavenly father. Let's stand and worship.